how 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 uh, that I, I just guys I just want to know how uh, I, I, how how are we here today? Um, everybody, just welcome. Uh, Kaiser, if you got another glue gun that you can give me to shoot myself in the head, I, I will gladly take it. Um, Under Construction is here, latest episode. We are, we're just in shock. Um, we're going to try to try our best to be professional today and to talk through the show. Panthers drop one to the Minnesota Vikings, 27-28. to 28. Joey Sly shanked a 54-yard field goal. That wasn't even close that could have won the game. But there is so much more to discuss when it comes to the loss today. Who wants to just fire off first, man? Because I don't – I'm going to have trouble finding words today. Guys, I – Last week I said – remember y'all said when we were giving our picks and I said I couldn't call it. And I said because something always happens against the Vikings. It's always some craziness. I remember, like, back in, like, 2007, we had a similar type game where we lost on some on some BS. And if you had told me that the Carolina Panthers had two defensive touchdowns in the same game and recovered a muff punt on their own five-yard line and still lost, I would not have believed you. I would have called you a liar, but that is exactly what happened today. And there is a lot of blame to go around. And if I had to put, if I had to make a, a, a blame hierarchy, coaches first, particularly Phil Snow. We do not run. We talked about this all season about dropping eight guys in coverage and how it never works. So here we are with really the game on the line. Minnesota has to score a touchdown to win. And you just let Kirk Cousins, who is a pretty accurate quarterback, just literally just play back on us for 75 yards down the field. And this is after your defense has played well all game. You suddenly have no confidence in them and don't let them go out and try and get to the quarterback. So Phil Snow is number one. Number two, Matt Rule. Same problems we see every week with clock management. And time out. Why didn't we have any timeouts left in the game? Why? How? We're, we're, we were winning the game. So how, how do we not have any timeouts left? I mean, and, and, uh, okay. can, can, I ask, can, I also, can I also ask you a question? I'm going to let you finish. I promise I am. I, Kirk Cousins is not a bad quarterback. No. But why the hell did he look like early 2000s Tom Brady today? Dude well, looked like Joe Montana out there in that last drive. It was, but you know what? I could have looked like Joe Montana out there in that last drive with the the, the defensive play calls. In fact, the uh, go back and watch if you can stomach it. Go back and watch the play <laughs> that Minnesota won the game on. L look at the pocket. Look at the pocket around Kirk Cousins. There is not a Panthers defender within five yards of him. He's just sitting out there. It's just in the open, waiting for someone to get open, which someone does. Now, here, here's what's crazy. Conversely, when that's us, when we recover a muff punt on our own five-yard line, run the ball, and then inexplicably throw it two times in a row, Teddy Bridgewater can't even make a five-yard pass to an open DJ Moore just sitting in the end zone, and then Moore ends up getting injured because he had to contort his body to try and catch this – overthrow from a guy who was known for throwing three yards downfield. I don't get it, y'all. I don't understand. And first of all, I'm Jeremy Chan. I'm punching people in the face in the locker room right now. I'm getting that dude. He was the only person that showed up to play. I shouldn't say that. I felt like the defense showed up to play for the most part against the Minnesota Vikings offense that is actually very good. Dalvin Cook is maybe the best running back in the league. Minnesota's very good on third down, very good in the red zone. Absolutely. Defense played well. Jeremy Chen, two big impact splash, splash plays. Um, the interior defensive line had some good pressure on Kirk Cousins. I felt like the defense did pretty well and to hold the Vikings to 21 points up until their last drive. I feel like 
you really can't blame them too much, even for that last drive, mainly because Phil Snow called the dogs off for some reason. I I, I just don't get it. Uh, Rodney, can you top that? What what you got today, man? I'm just baffled that we stopped running the ball. Uh, the play calling was suspect. I I I I just don't know, man. Like it's 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 like things are working, and then we like oh we get too cute and, and run away from it. And and I I just don't get it. Like I was looking on Twitter, like Matt Rule said this this was on coaching, and he's totally correct. They is it's. it's it's like the red zone play calling was terrible. You, you you were successful in the first half in the beginning of the third quarter, and then you just like kind of you like kind of played safe. And, and I I just don't get it, man. It's it's we got a long way to go, man. <laughs> you know, to go. It's hard for me to, to to take Matt Rule at his word here because it's not like they don't have these situations in college football. I understand. Uh, hello, I the pros are different. And Joe Brady is the only person on the coaching staff with any pro experience from his time as an assistant in New Orleans. However, these same situations happen in college as well. I mean, so it, it, how hard is it to convert those situations to an NFL? I mean, the, the, the football gods smile on the Panthers numerous times. And it was like we just said, no, nope, you know what? We don't want it. We yeah, don't want to win today. Nope. Uh, nope. You we don't. We, we we can't handle success. No, nope, can't do it. Next question. Let's rewind back. If Teddy Bridgewater was Cam Newton overthrowing oh, DJ God. Newton in the end zone oh, on that play, God. what's the visceral reaction we get today? <laughs> Y'all know where Chima Steakhouse is, yeah. the building yeah. we used to live in. Okay, yeah. crowd gathered around that. <laughs> People climbing to get to Cam's apartment. <laughs> If he makes that same overthrow, <laughs> that, 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 that's that's totally unacceptable. And 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 all I be all I'm hearing is Teddy's so accurate. Teddy is this. Teddy, look, man. Teddy is an average quarterback, a game manager. He is not a difference maker. Teddy is not that guy. That back in the first half, driving the ball downfield. Finally, why do you make that throw? I. I, you know, I, 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 if I'm Teddy, I'm going to try to put myself in Teddy's shoes here. Teddy wants to be Teddy. He doesn't want to be Cam. He doesn't want to be Drew Brees. He wants to be who he is. He's, he has said that. The difference, though, in those two guys in, is that, you know, I know Cam, Cam Newton isn't what he was, but at his peak, Cam Newton was going to win you games. Yeah. At, Cam, at his worst, was a game manager. At his peak, you know, I, I mean, if the game was on the line, then you're like, okay, Cam got to do something. I mean, he would do something spectacular and win the game. Teddy has not done that yet. At not one time this season. No, yeah. He has not done that yet. There has not been a – there have been games where Teddy has played very well and the Panthers have won due to his, his good play. But there has not been a time where the Panthers have faced adversity and then Teddy said, okay, Y'all, y'all remember that Giants game all the years ago? Yeah, Giants yeah. came back and they show Cam on the sideline and he said, "All right, all right, all right." And, and we got a field goal range and and won the game. I need Teddy to do that. I need Teddy to be like, "All right, let's do this." But is it not happening? I mean, Brandon, it came close. He came close on that last drive. Uh, had a great pass to really a great catch by Curtis Samuel. Yeah. She, what a catch! Um, and it got sly into his range. But to rely on a 54-yard kick to win the game when you were on your five-yard line, all you needed was five yards, and then you had a wide-open receiver just sitting in the end zone waiting for you to deliver the ball, that's on you, bro. I'm going to take a step back. Right before that that muff punt, look, Joe Brady needs to smoke too. It was it was a third, it was a second and four or five, and you throw the ball, and and, and, and all you have to do is run it into the two minute warning. They cannot stop the clock. Stop the clock. It was trucking dude. L- listen, listen, make <laughs> make make them use their timeout on that drive. But you throw listen, man. I I thought the play calling by Brady today was absolutely atrocious. It was predictable. 
It was uncreative. It was bad all the way around. And it really showed its head in the second half, mainly the fourth quarter, man. Sometimes, man, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Just do what makes sense. Now, I think Joe Brady got a little scared, for lack of a better term, because there was, I think, a first down run where uh, the Vikings sniffed it out and we lost yardage. So what, man? It's not It's not about yardage at that point. It's more so about clock. It's about eating clock. It's about making them use their timeouts. And then, like Rodney said, we inexplicably throw the ball on. I, I, or, I, you know, if you don't throw it, did, did you guys see – I'll have to go back and watch the film. I don't know if, I'm, if I can stomach it. But did you guys see any play actions? No. You I didn't already notice any. You would think, okay, the Vikings sniffed out that run. They sold out to stop the run. They sold out to stop the run. So, hey, hmm, maybe we can run some play actions on RPO to take advantage of that. Nope, we just drop back and tell Teddy to run for his life, just run around in circles, and then throw the ball in and perk. That's not going to be games one. Um, real quick, y'all, Teddy Bridgewater today, 19 for 36, 267, 7.4 average with a 74.6 rating. Um, I, look. I don't really feel like being objective, but I'll try. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, first game back from injury last week, did not play. Uh, definitely missed some throws that could have been, you know, credited for uh, bad timing. That man, um, man look. Uh, uh, look uh, my question, my question is: are, are we are we giving him any excuses today? Is it is it just timing because he didn't play last week? Was he just a little rusty? What are we saying to that? Yeah. I mean, I'm willing to, to – I mean, a leg injury is big, bigger for quarterbacks than we think. even, you know, non-mobile quarterbacks. They got to plant. They use their hips to throw. Um, okay, I get it. But it's up to the coaches to evaluate the health of a player and then game plan around that. If you think that Teddy Bridgewater is possibly compromised because of lingering effects from his injury, then – so, yeah, either sit him. We learned this lesson with Cam Newton. You either sit him or you adjust your game plan accordingly. Um, the Panthers didn't either, and, and we paid for it. Uh, it it's, I, I, re I really hate to put this loss on Teddy, but we have seen the, a pattern of poor situational football from the offense, Teddy, and, and the coaches. And now we've lost games because of that. I mean, far too many games this season have come down to whether or not Jeff Sly can kick a, like a super field goal. Right. It, it, it shouldn't come down to that. And by the way, I, I have this picture in my mind of Graham Gano sitting on the couch somewhere just like with a big Cheshire chat yeah. grin on his face <laughs> right now. <laughs> I, I I never thought I'd say I'd miss Graham Gano, but I, I I miss Graham Gano, man. But anyway, on on to on to this game. Uh, you know, still a lot to talk about, man. Um, I also want to talk about uh, defensively. Oh God, what what you guys thought about our defensive performance? I personally thought we went away from what was working. Um, I think we got a, a little conservative in the second half, and again, mainly the fourth quarter. Uh, we gave up an eleven point lead in the fourth quarter. I thought Snow stopped bringing as much heat. Um, now, I do want to say one thing. Sometimes you just got to give credit to the other guy. Yeah. Kirk Cousins, I, I swear, man, he evaded about five sacks on one drive, man. Yeah. He was he was accurate. He was calm in that pocket, man. It's, again, sometimes you just got to give the other guys credit, man. But I do want I do want you guys' thoughts on Phil Snow and uh, his defensive play calling day. What do you guys think? I mean, in the first half, outside of that first drive, I mean, it was it was it was beautiful play calling. Yeah, we were getting after Kurt, disrupting things. The beginning of the third quarter, beautiful, and it's just like it, it kind of reminded me of Ron and Ron the the Ron Rivera era. It's like we let our foot off the gas, and then Minnesota just went kind of went full throttle. Like we can still win this thing. Yeah, it, I mean, it's I hate to say this, man, the cliche. It's, it's still growing pains, but I, I mean, I'm. I'm I'm happy the way the defense, well, well, mainly important parts perform today on the defensive end. Yeah, Kaz, what you I, got? I'm okay with the players, the effort and the yeah. they gave. It's the scheme that I have a problem with. I mean, the players can only do whatever you ask them to do, and I felt like the our players were in good positions to make plays, and that's what they did. 
We saw what the defensive line was able to do, the pressure they were able to get. Of course, Jeremy Chan. Um, and, and it was clear that the Vikings had decided we're going to focus on keeping Brian Burns out of the game. And so we saw a lot of double teams on Burns, but the rest of the defense was able to capitalize off. Yeah. And um, so I felt like, you know, they played a great game until the coaches took the game out of the players' hands. That's it's, – it's, it never works when the coaches do that. It almost never does. You got – I feel like at that point – you should have uh, your your finger on the pulse of the team enough to know, okay, you know what? My defense is balling out. Let, let's let those guys play. You know, Minnesota's going to drive. Let's do – let's turn it up a notch. Let's do what we were doing before, but, but kick it up a notch. Yeah. yeah. Minnesota's going to kick it up a notch. But instead, we just – Phil Snow just folded. I mean, college, what did I say in the chat? College right. stuff. Yeah. Guys, guys, let me ask you a question, man. I'm, I'm I, look. I, let, let me know if I'm wrong. I, I'm concerned about Derrick Brown, man. I, I, I'm not seeing enough from him. To me personally, man. I mean, look, he, he he's getting pressures, but he eventually he's gonna have to finish and get to the quarterback. I'm, I'm I, not, I, I, I don't know, man. He only had two sack, two tackles today. Well, I'm not overly concerned with that, man, because I think, you know, we're, we're talking about a rookie and we're also talking about a rookie who missed some time last week, man. So I, I will say this, man. Number one, the entire defense didn't finish anything in the second half. So it wasn't just Derrick Brown. But, you know, we're talking about a rookie who is still trying to figure things out, man. You know what I mean? Uh, Derrick Brown makes some rookie mistakes. He jumped off sides maybe one or two times uh, today. Those are just things that will just work themselves out eventually, man. I'm, I'm not really overly concerned about it. To me, Derrick Brown doesn't make any mistakes that some of these damn veterans make on a weekly basis. So I, I can't say I'm overly concerned about it, honestly. Yeah, Derrick Brown, uh, rookie defensive tackle, that, that's that's tough, especially when really it's just you on the interior with right. <clears throat> with KK out for the season. Um, so, you know, if he had another big guy that – you know, on the inside with them, that would take some pressure off of him. Uh, the Panthers, we need either another rusher on the outside opposite Ryan Burns or another interior guy, I think, to take the pressure off those two guys. Yeah, and I think we'll probably see that next season. I'm not overly concerned because it's a rookie season. I just don't want him to, you know, I'd rather him take his time progressing and developing, unlike someone like Kwan Short, who shot to start him and then flamed out and fell off a cliff. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, um, you know, I'd rather, honestly, it, it's kind of weird to say this, but I, we missed a guy like Starla Tuvale. He did, he wasn't as flashy or had the big splash plays. Right. He ate up a lot of space and made things easier for players around him. We need another guy like Starman. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and look, man, I, I'm, I don't, I don't want to call myself some type of defensive line expert, but to Kaz's point, man, you know, Starla too, they never had big numbers. He did, he wasn't a big sack numbers guy, not a lot of tackles for losses because he opened that up for the other guy opposite of him. I think the Panthers with, you know, with Zach Kerr and Derrick Brown, they're, kind of the same player you know what I mean they you know one of them is not eating the blocks while the other guy eats they're both trying to eat I don't know if that works for an interior lineman especially a rookie that's what Kwan Short was here for but then you know we know the story with Kwan Short so Derek Brown's just gonna have to go through some growing pains man with all that being said so but for the most part though I, this defense I feel like has a lot of potential yeah, youngest defense in the NFL. Most working starters out of any defense on the NFL, and look at the big impact that flash plays are able to make throughout the season. Yeah, they've had some growing pains, but I feel like a lot of that's on the coaching. That's mostly on Phil Snow rather than the players themselves. It's the veterans that we're seeing make the big mistakes. I, I don't, I don't know if this defense will ever be those Keekly led defenses from last decade, but I feel like there's a lot of potential there. And plus, I, I also think it is very important that you have an offense that eats the clock up and finish drives. Right, yeah. And in that second half, we didn't see that from the offense. You were throwing that defense right back on the field with a very hot Kirk Cousins. Look, if it was hey, – Kaz, you know when, when the quarterback gets hot in Madden and Madden and the X lights up and it's oh, red, uh, yeah. that that was Kirk Cousins in the second half. He was, he was red hot. Madden, you'd be like <laughs> – 
how is he so accurate? Because all day he was trash. That's exactly how that was. Yeah, and, and we and look, I and I don't. I again, we got conservative, man. We stopped sending pressure up the middle, and he got comfortable. And here's the result. So there you have it. <laughs> here's, here's what's crazy about this game, man. And this is this is also on. I'm gonna put this more on Petty than actually the coach. The Hornets, the, the, Hornets the, the Panthers are actually in playoff mode. We forget. Everyone forgets there's an extra playoff slot this year. Yeah. And the Panthers could get it. If they had won this game, they would have been one game out from the final playoff spot. Now, I'm not saying that they would make the playoffs if they had won, or even that they should come to play for make the playoffs. But, yeah, you got to recognize, hey, whoa, guys, we got we to – because this is a winnable game. You yeah, right. some games against tough teams left. So a game against the Vikings, who aren't really that much better or worse than the Panthers, you know, you got the game in your grasp. You got to go out and win that game. Now with this loss, there's really no chance of them really making the playoffs. You know, the Cardinals lost, so you win this game, you're only a game out um, from that final spot. And imagine how that would look. You know, Matt Rule coming in his first year, of a rebuild and making the playoffs, that would have looked great. But instead, you blew it in, yeah. in embarrassing fashion, really. And, 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 and what, what makes this even more frustrating is you, you wasted two efforts. You wasted your effort in containing Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. 18 rushes, 61 yards. You take that every week against Dalvin yeah. Cook. And then you wasted one of the most beautiful defensive performances we have seen especially from a rookie, Jeremy Chin, you wasted that performance. It's frustrating, man. Everything that we – we had everything we needed to win this game, and we just gave it to the Vikings on the planet and said, hey, we don't want it. You know what I mean? It's, I, I don't know if that's just signs of a young defense, if it's coach mismanager, if it's just a combination of a little bit of everything, man. But it's highly frustrating, highly frustrating. And then on top of that, you had Kirk Cousins kind of break ta- – uh, uh, break contained he had four rushes for 19 yards so not only was uh Kirk Cousins Tom Brady but he was running Cunningham today too about that uh I'm gonna put that on Shaq Thompson there was a play um I believe it maybe in the third quarter where Kirk Cousins ran for a first down up the middle and Mm -hmm. what happened was that Shaq Thompson either he missed the snap because uh he was Yelling back at the DBs, I don't, I, I couldn't hear what he was saying, but he kept turning. He was turning his head, and as he has t- head turn, Kirk Cousins snapped the ball. And so he looks back, and now, you know, he's in, he's in the gap, and mm-hmm. tight end is like on a drag, and so Shaq Thompson just follows the drag, and Kirk Cousins says, "That's an open lane," and runs for the first down. It's like, bro, you you think that would have ever happened with number fifty nine? You nah. think Smith and I would have missed the snap and then run in the wrong zone to let the QB? No, of course not. I say every week. I know Shaq Thompson's not Luke Keekly, and that's a big, big thing. To that's a, right, right. But those are the kind of plays you gotta you gotta make. You gotta you gotta have the awareness, um, especially if your guys on the back end don't. Yeah. Yeah, guys, and also, you know, speaking of, you know, we mentioned how the Panthers kind of got away from the running game, man. Uh, Trenton Cannon, three carries, 17 yards, 5.7 average, man. Mike Davis, you know, some a lot of times his stats don't tell the entire story. Um, his stats are going to say 15 carries, 55 yards, but we kind of know that doesn't really tell the entire story, man. He was running hard, man. He said he ran at least 20, 25 times, man. It, right, man. But it's just like I, I, I don't get how, you know, it looks like the Panthers were playing to not lose instead of to win. <laughs> Mike Davis, I mean, he, look, he had he had a hell of a highlight, man. He it's, it's like the Nate Robinson highlight. He knocked the guy out. You know what I'm saying? And and we just I don't understand how we go away from it, man. It's what one other thing I wanted to ask you guys about, man. What do you think about Robbie Anderson's performance today, man? Uh, he had a big catch, but overall, what would you grade the receivers today? I mean, I, I give them a B plus. I mean, look, man, look, Teddy, look, Teddy missed two touchdowns. I, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just put that out there, like on on, on, on that thirty something yard uh, catch that uh, Robbie had. Yeah, Teddy places the ball a little more outside. That's a touchdown. 
in, in, in that play action pass in the first half where he missed DJ. That was a touchdown. I mean, it's they're they're playing and, right. and let's not forget the, the five yard the five yard overthrow. I mean, yeah. I mean B plus A minus. I mean, they showed up today. Yeah. What would you grade Teddy Bridgewater today? C plus. I give, him, I give him a D. I give him a D. Because, look, I, especially the five-yard overthrow in, in, in the end zone, I mean, that, yeah. that's, the, that's the difference I mean, in the ballgame right there. Bad uh, interception uh, earlier as well. Yeah. Um, now, Kaiser, about that, let me cut you off real quick. I, I, I kind of want to be a bit objective about that first interception, just a little bit, because here's what I – and let me know if you agree or disagree with this or not. That series of play calling by Brady was really bad, in my opinion. It was awful. It was, it was so – it's like the Vikings knew what were coming for – it was like those three plays were scripted, and the Vikings knew what was coming on all three of those plays. So when Teddy drops back on third and whatever it was, third and 10, 11, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it didn't set him up for much success, man. But what did you? What were you going to say in regards to that? No, that's true. I, no, I, I, I agree with your point there. It's, it's hard to execute if the other team essentially knows what you're doing. But ultimately, uh, the decision is, is going to come down to the quarterback. And that just wasn't a good decision. There's there's one thing I can say, a good thing about Teddy Bridgewater this, this season. His decision-making is generally not bad. But it's just that sometimes – I, I just don't think he's as accurate passing the ball as the completion percentage numbers would have you believe. Teddy, we've talked about this before. Teddy Bridgewater um, <clears throat> is has a lot of favorable stat manipulation – Mm-hmm. Favorite yeah. 41-yard touchdown pass to Robbie Anderson, right? 35 right. yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a little jump off. But but you look at the stat sheet and like man, look at that deep throw from Teddy Bridgewell. No, bro, that was not a deep throw. The the one deep throw he had, like Rodney mentioned, that should have been a tough hey, PJ Walker puts that in the end zone. I don't care what nobody say. That's seven points or six points right there. So, um, Speaking of P.J. Walker, um, fans were calling his name in the first half, guys. I have to ask the question. I don't know if this is an overreaction. I don't know if this is a hot take, but the question has to be asked. If Teddy Bridgewater struggles, not next week because there's a bye week, but if Teddy Bridgewater struggles against the Broncos, how louder uh, how 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 much does the, how, how do you think the coaches are going to react if if Teddy Bridgewater struggles another week? Do we see PJ Walker? Man, look, man, I, I, I look honestly, the coaches aren't even committing PJ Walker to be the the backup right now. I mean, it's to to me it seems kind of politicish because you 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 invested that third pick in, in will and third round pick in Will Greer, but I mean, Teddy Teddy got injured at the end of the game. I mean, you can use the injuries as a cop out. I mean, if you really want to see what PJ is about, is about in two weeks. But I mean, PJ, ironically, PJ Walker is what Teddy Bridgewater was in Minnesota. Oh, hot take, hot take. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> after the injury, Sam Bradford comes on. Fans were wanting, they, they were mad Bridgewater lost that starting spot. They felt like after he got healthy, he should have come back, got a starting job back. Bradford had a, an okay season, but every time there was a bad game, there was the calls for Teddy, and it would just – I mean, um, this would be the most Charlotte thing ever if P.J. Walker ends up leaving the Panthers to get a shot somewhere else. And it balls out. It balls out. Yeah. P.J. Walker's the missing piece in Dallas. Please God no! Please, I, I can't handle that. I I could. No, yo, 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 Think about this. Think about this, y'all. I, I, I'm just I'm so upset. Like we literally let them go 75 yards with no timeouts to win the game. Think about that, man. Yeah. I, I just don't. Every time the defense came out in that cover three shell, I I don't get it. 
I, I, I mean, every I, was, I thought, okay, naturally they're gonna switch up. Especially at, there was one point in which uh, the clock had stopped for some reason, and I thought, okay, now you can swap out personnel because Minnesota was running an up tempo, so you didn't have a whole lot of time to swap out personnel. So you're gonna keep your DBs, uh, you know, on the field. But when the clock stopped, I thought, okay, they're gonna swap out personnel, and we're gonna see nickel coverage with a blitz or something. Nope, nope, no, no. Came no. out time three three down linemen and it's like what and of course I mean we all know what happened then I, I just I just don't understand we talked about this at the very beginning of the season we said Matt Rule and the staff play to not lose instead of playing to win and we yep. felt like there was a point where we thought they had gotten that out of the system like they had said okay that doesn't work in the NFL and it's they fell back on it today. And so I, I wonder, though, and I, I wondered this during the Ron Rivera era as well. How much sway does Matt Rule have over the play calling? Is he completely hands off? Because I got to think that when he see Phil Snow trot those guys out in a dime formation with three defensive linemen. Right. He probably is like, what? What is going? What on? are we doing? What are we doing? Right, right. Yeah, I gotta think he can't be happy with that. So I'm thinking, surely he's on the mic, like, hey, Phil, let's do something else. If right. he's if he's not doing that, then that's a problem. Speak, speaking of that, Kaza, they sent Jeremy Chen on a couple of blitzes, and look at the results. So why do you go away from that? You. I, I, it's it's beyond puzzling. It is. I just. I look. We we we're giving Kirk Cousins props for being a good quarterback. He made a, a, look. He made some amazing plays today. I, I I don't want that to be lost. But you still cannot go away from what has worked. You still can. It it is a competition to make him uncomfortable. Even though he has evaded some of those blitzes. Even though he's made plays. Obviously, dropping eight in coverage is not working. It, I just don't get it, man. Rodney, you were going to say something, man. No, man, you, you got it, man. You got no, especially it. Especially with the defense playing. I mean, they had a great week last week. First shutout in eight year, eight seasons, you know, uh, or the seventh shutout in history, uh, first one in 15 seasons, or something like that. So they're playing hot. They start off this game, it, you know, the Vikings score on their first drive. But after that, man, the defense is on fire. I, I just don't understand why you neutered them. Like, uh, Real quickly, uh, everybody in the chat room, uh, once again, thank you all for coming on and joining us this week, man. Uh, you know, when we have guys in the chat, man, it makes our job easier. We love when you guys are here. Uh, just a quick reminder, if you want to leave us a voicemail and just sound off, just sound off, just whatever is on your mind today, just completely just sound off, man. 704-981-1747. And more than likely, we'll have time to, to get you on today. With that being said, fellas, uh, let's wrap this Panthers thing up. Is there an offensive MVP today? <laughs> Do we have one? I mean, I, I, I'll give it to Robbie. I mean, yeah. Robbie was active, um, making something out of nothing, out, out, of, out, of, out of noodle arms throws. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, he performed. I go yeah. uh, Curtis Samuel. He had a huge, huge catch late in the game that if Jeff Sly – Hits that field goal. That's the play we're talking about. Um, Joey Sly. Yeah, Joey Sly. Um, yeah. if, if he makes that that kick, then we're talking about that catch. That yeah. Curtis, Curtis Samuel has been on a tear maybe the last six weeks or so uh, after a rocky start to the beginning of the season. I think the days of him being the training camp MVP are over. Uh, like, yeah, I will say I like what. Joe Brady's been doing with Curtis Samuel lately, running balls, jet sweeps, all kinds of stuff to get him involved in the offense. Um, I I hope he can continue that. Yeah, I'm going to go Robbie Anderson just simply because he made the most impactful play on offense today, and I'll just keep it simple, man. Um, defensive MVP, I'm not even going to ask. Is there an honorable mention for defensive MVP? Troy Pride. Uh, uh, Jermaine Carter. Yeah. Second in the team in tackles. Uh, again, we see another week where he gets the start over Tamir Whitehead, and we see the defense play well. I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah, and, and, and my mind is Troy Pride, man. I mean, 
he did he did a good job on on Justin Jefferson today, um, and I, I, it's he, he's been looking better for the past two weeks, and I, I'm actually excited to see how he progresses. I mean, because we we desperately we desperately need a number one corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and that's the thing. I I like Troy Pride's improvement, which is my answer to this question as well. I like his improvement. But at the same time, I still don't know if we have a number one DB oh, we don't. on this team. You know, but I guess if I had to rephrase what I was going to say, I don't know if we're going to get a number one guy from this roster that we have now. I guess that's the better way to phrase it. But at the same time, man, I, I do like the steady improvement, not only by Troy Pride, but a lot of these young guys on defense. You see what Jeremy Chan did today. That that goes without saying, man. Uh, Jermaine yeah, Carter. Gerard, Gerard. Jeremy Chin is all of our MVPs, but we're just congratulating supplemental players. We're naming honorable mentions. Jeremy Chin was by far the MVP. That's why I didn't even go there today, man. So uh, good job to the young guys who continue to improve, man. So the Panthers could not complete a victory today or a knockout, but somebody else got knocked out last night. Mr. Nate Robinson caught an L for the ages. Last night, <laughs> in case anyone was under a rock this weekend, uh, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones was the headliner of, of, of uh, last night, but those are not where the fireworks were at last night. Guys, I had such a great time watching this with y'all last night. This whole experience was a lot more entertaining than I thought. Share some of your thoughts on the whole Mike Tyson, Roy Jones experience as a whole. It, 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 it man, look. One thing, Snoop was the star of the show. Snoop needs to be included in other fights and, and, and calling other games. But, I mean, Mike looked pretty good, man. Look, Mike was kind of quick. And uh, Roy is in the ER right now. Uh, <laughs> getting his side checked out, man. He, look, look he, he took a beating last night. It, it, that, that wasn't no draw. Yeah. No, no, no. My sources tell me that um, he actually injured a rib last night. So – if you watch the post-fight interview, he was holding. Yeah, he was holding. He was holding. Uh, I gotta say this: that was more entertaining than I yeah. thought it would be. Yeah, I, you know, I, I bought it last night on a whim, and then we all had a private stream. We all here watching it, and you know, had a good time watching it. And I, I'm very glad that I that I did because. Shout out to you, Kaiser. Appreciate yeah, that, by the whole, way, buddy. Yeah, the whole thing was was entertaining, but the, even the headline fight. Black streams matter. <laughs> Even the <laughs> fight was just more entertaining than I thought it would be. Yeah. Like Roy Jones near the end was kind of mailing it in. Um, yeah. I don't think he took it as seriously as Mike Tyson did from both, you know, the pre-fight from the training camp all the way up into the fight. Um, but, uh, it, but yeah, Nate Robinson, boy, man. I'll say this. I, let me let me say this. So, so you guys know that I'm heavy into boxing. Yeah. I have actually been a part of that industry uh, at one point in my life. I was, and I was actually a gym rat. I was in the gym. I'd spar every day. I got to meet a lot of people in the industry. <clears throat> I worked on a fight night game with EA. But it never in my life. Hey man, hey, man, time out. I learn something new about you every day, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Every week I learn something new about you, man. But, but, but go ahead, man. Hey, man, look, man, Kaiser is like the renaissance man for under construction, man. What, what, what don't you do, man? But um, never at any point in my life was I like, man, you know what? I want to go get punched in the face for a living. <laughs> you know, there'll be someday you know, when you in the in, when you in the gym sparring. You know, a lot of times you're wearing hair gear. Sometimes you might not, but you're wearing big gloves. And there'll be times, there'll be days where I'm like, "Hey, I'm not, I'm not sparring that dude no more." So, you know, it's sparring. Sometimes it gets a little bit heated. So to do that professionally, that that's a lot. So respect to Nate Robinson, especially because uh, Jake Paul had he actually had one fight. One professional fight already. He had been taking it seriously. He's in the gym all the time training. So for Nate Robinson to even step in the ring in a official sanction bout, that takes a lot of guts, man. So props to him for that. I, I, I do think very quickly, though, he discovered you don't play boxing. 
No. Like the like the famous James Tony once said, you don't play boxing. It's the only sport you don't play. And I think after that first knockdown, he was done. I don't think yeah. he would continue after that. I think he was looking for a way out. But hey. ref gonna make you fight. So hey, cause I want to talk more about that real quick, man. <clears throat> and you know, it especially, you know, me and you as far as our age groups, man, we saw prime Mike Tyson. And not only did we see prime Mike Tyson, but we saw how much of, of that was his whole identity. I, I bring this up to relate it to last night. You know, we're saying that Roy Jones didn't look like he took it as serious as Mike did. I think that's pretty damn obvious. You know what I mean? Mike Tyson, listen, Mike Tyson has stated so much. Like, he has struggled to build an identity outside of boxing. He, he has stated that he, he has been a very ugly person because of his persona when it comes to being in the ring. I have to give Mike Tyson a lot of credit for growth. Nobody, nobody does that with Mike Tyson a lot. That dude has grown a whole lot from the big bad man he was in the late 80s, early 90s, when he was cussing people out and, and eating babies and, and, <laughs> and, 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 and accosting women and, and all this other stuff he had going on, man. And I just don't think people give enough props to Mike Tyson for being able to grow into this functional uh, a guy who is, who's, a, who's a good sportsman, who, who put on the show for the fans, but, you know, remain civil. You know what I mean? I just I, I liked what I saw in that aspect of Mike Tyson last night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, Mike Tyson's not like a perfect human suddenly now, but right. but he's human now. Whereas, you know, before Mike Tyson was really mostly this larger than life character that the media created and Mike Tyson <clears throat> didn't know any better but to feed into that image uh, because that's how that's how he made his money. You know, if right. Mike Tyson had been timid back in the 80s, he, he wouldn't be Mike Tyson. He wouldn't be Mike Tyson. That's so he had to build this aura of, of invincibility around him. But. A lot of people don't know this about Mike Tyson, but he's somewhat of a boxing savant. He's like a huge boxing historian. Um, he's when it comes to the sport of boxing, there are few people as smart as Mike Tyson. So you take that away from him, and I think we've been eating away at him for the last fifteen years. Plus, uh, Mike Tyson, you know his his youngest daughter died tragically yeah, yeah. Uh, some time ago, and I think he's always felt like that was his penance for the life that he lived before. Mm -hmm. and I think that started his path to a uh, growth and a little bit of, of humility. So, you know, now that Mike Tyson's in a good place in his life, he's got money again. He's not broke anymore. He's, he's off the hard drugs. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he's like, okay, I, you know, I'm ready to go back and, and do what I love, but I don't have to do it for the reasons I did in the eighties. He even said, after yeah and i'm a humanitarian that's why i box I'm, yeah you, you you stole my thunder man i was gonna mention that quote but go ahead yeah yeah i, I do this for for other people now for their entertainment so we can make money to help people i think that's you know that's a a huge thing and I, i'm glad to see this second act for mike tyson because a lot of people don't get a chance for that second act a lot of people yeah. that were living the life that he lived um you know, they, they tragic stuff ends up happening to them before they can make amends. So good on him. Absolutely, man. Uh, let me ask you guys a question. Would you want to see a rematch at this point? Roy doesn't want to see a rematch. <laughs> but he said he did. You know, let, me you, look, let me tell you something, man. Look, I'm, I'm going to let you and guys, I'm going to let you guys into a little secret. Whenever I say, let me check on my family first, let me ask my wife first. Yeah, yeah really that usually means do you don't want to do it. Because <laughs> you know what the answer is going to be. I yeah, I got you. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he got his money. Look, look, Mike is a different beast. Like, he, he's paying the price for that for that exhibition fight today. Roy don't want to do that again. Kaza, I want to ask you, you know, the, the boxers of Savant on this show. If Mike Tyson seriously committed to getting back in the heavyweight division, how much noise would he make? None, not none. Uh, he well, I mean, they could feed him tomato cans. That's about <laughs> they could feed him tomato cans, and he could, you know, score some uh, entertaining uh, wins against some really, really low level competition. But 
it's important to note that he was in the ring with another 50 year old guy. Yeah, 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 no doubt. I say, as crisp as he looked, it's like, okay, how crisp does he look against like uh, Tyson Fury? Uh, uh, you know, right. So, someone like that who would eat Mike Tyson, a 54 year old Mike Tyson alive in a ring. It wouldn't, they, they, he, he would get killed in that situation. However, I do think um, fights of this ilk, two minute rounds, eight rounds, even if they're not exhibition, even officially sanctioned fights against people in that age bracket, I think there's a market for that. I mean, you trying to tell me you wouldn't want to see Mike Tyson rematch, you know, Evander Evander Holyfield? I don't want to see Evander take another shot to the head right now. Yeah, because it's it yeah. so hard, though. I think <laughs> I want to take another shot. It, I, I will say this from a stylistic standpoint, it was very interesting to see Mike Tyson get in there and do some of the things that he did 30 years ago. I was yeah. really pleasant. He looked, at least, you know, looked like the old Mike Tyson stylistically. I would have liked to have seen that fight in the, in, the, in their primes. I know it it didn't happen for a lot of various reasons. I felt like Roy Jones would have been too small for Mike yeah. Tyson. Yeah. Mike Tyson, the guys that beat him were all much, much bigger. Talking 250-pound dudes, leaning on him and tying him, tying him up, which is what Roy Jones tried to do. I don't think that would have worked back when Roy Jones was 190 pounds. But so- so I got I got another question, y'all. How do you get knocked out from with how do you get knocked out by a dude from Calabasas, California? How how, how does that happen? Hey, and look, man, the thing is, I heard I, look, I heard <laughs> Nate was talking trash first. I, yeah. Look, no, look, we're all NBA fans. Is that surprising? No, not not at all, not at all. You know, Nate Robinson, being like a, a NBA player of small stature, has always had to have that dog in him. Because right. I, I, hey, look, guys, I call it the Mighty Mouse effect. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. So we see that with a lot of the short guys in the NBA. Isaiah Thomas, uh, you know, split web back in the day. So that doesn't surprise me. But I think, like we said earlier, you don't play boxing. First of all, yeah. Paul is 6'1", 180 pounds. Bigger than you. 200-something pounds. Nate Robinson, 5'9", 181 ain't been in the gym or on the court in, in a couple of seasons. You know, I think he got in the ring and realized, whoa. Whoa, this is a different beast yeah. here. Wait, yeah. I can't play around this. Right. <laughs> this white boy could box. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, see, and look, I, I have an analogy for you. See, and for those who are watching, like I, like we said earlier, Kaz is a renaissance man. He's also an MC. He's a rapper. So I'm going to use this analogy. Kaz, you've seen this before. You've been at the battles before where you guys are like, y'all, y'all, you know, the real MCs are rapping and y'all do y'all thing. And there's one dude in the audience is like, man, that look easy. I can go do that. And then they get on stage and what happens? Freeze up. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Freeze up. It's, yeah, it's, it's one thing to watch somebody do it and think it looks, and probably that's probably what happened with Nate Robinson. I mean, Jake Paul. Uh, look, I, I could picture Nate Robinson like shadow boxing in the mirror. Right, and yeah. he's telling himself, like, I look good, man. I can do this. It's different. You know, like Mike Tyson, one of the best boxing quotes ever. Everyone got a plan till they get hit. And Everyone I, has a plan till they get punched uh, in the <laughs> face. Absolutely. Hey, Rob, we got punched in the face. I'm like, whoa, hold up. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> man, Mitch, uh, hey, Mitch, I heard you giving out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, look. Hey, 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 he got knocked out in Nick's colors, so uh, they take another L this year. They take another L, man. <laughs> spe- spe- speaking, of, of, speaking of basketball, uh, it has been made official. Uh, Kaiser, if you want to meet me on the corner of Trade and Tryon, man, I have party favors. I have uh, Ciroc. I have Hennessy. Uh, I will be planning a parade. It is official. Nick Batum has officially been waived by the Charlotte Hornets. The Nick Batum era is over. Now, surprisingly enough, not everybody's happy about it. There's this little stretch provision that we have to talk about, gentlemen. Uh, This has made way for Gordon Haywood to officially sign as a Charlotte Hornet. It is worth noting that, uh, you know, G-Leaguer Ray Spalding also got waived by the Hornets today. But again, not everybody's happy about Nick Batum being released at the cost. 
Guys, what are your thoughts on Nick Batum ultimately being released, but at the cost of a stretched provision? What are you guys' thoughts? I'm, look, man, he was he was essentially done after Paris last year, this past year. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a tough pill to swallow, but we have such a young team and, and contracts falling off. I really don't think it will matter too much the next two years. But I mean, it's 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 still like kind of a ball and chain. Like we're still affiliated with this dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. And look, and look, and Rodney, I'm gonna let you go. But not, not, not quite this extreme. It just gives me Bobby Bonilla vibes. You know what I'm saying? Like you're paying a guy who ultimately doesn't play for you anymore. But it's not quite that bad. But go ahead. What were you saying? He's our he's our Josh Smith to the Pistons. Right. Like, they just got out of that deal. I mean, it's. I mean. At the time, it was at the time it was, it was looked at as a good contract league wide. Jordan, Jordan actually, everybody said he got a steal. We didn't offer him to fill full max, and homeboy just disappeared. I mean, it's look, we gambled, we lost. Yeah, Kaiser, what you got? Um, I don't think the stretch provision hurts the Hornets at all. It only hurts if we feel like we could use that money towards something else. Yeah, and look, I, let's be real, Hornets fans. Kevin Durant ain't walking through that door. Right. Steph Curry is not packing his family up and moving to Charlotte anytime <laughs> ever. So the question is, what do we miss out on paying nine million dollars? Which you know we gotta hey, we gotta use the cap space. Actually, the Hornets had to yeah. get close to that ninety percent anyway. Right. If stretching out Batum's contract to waive him and bring on Gordon Hayward. If that's going to make the team better, I'm off with that. First of all, I'll never, ever admonish the team for getting better. And I felt like the Hornets did that. Now, yeah. the question is how much better did they get over their peers? But I'll never get on the Hornets for getting better. So they said, look, yeah. we got a chance to get better. But to do that, we got to wave the tomb and do the stretch provision. So let's do it. And yeah. the fact they're able to do that, they were able to finesse Boston out of uh, – Two second round picks. Um, you know, they just told Boston, hey, we, we don't care if you guys won't make a deal for Batum. We're going to get Gordon Hayward any way that we can. So, 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 guys, I, I, I was talking to our, the friend of the show, Danny, and he, he wasn't. Who, who hates it, by the way, but go ahead. Who hates it? He's not high on that. He's not high on helping Boston out. <clears throat> he, he, he essentially equates this, this trade exception. That Boston acquires to the uh, fifth Infinity Stone, they can add like this max level type player to, to get them over the edge. Uh, my pushback was, uh, what do we care for? We're, we're not competing for championships right now. Yeah, and plus, here here's another point with that. Now, it, it is important to note that <laughs> the Celtics have the largest trade exception in history. It's twenty seven million dollars. That's a lot. All right. Two things. Number one, Rodney, you're spot on. What do we care for? That's really not our competition right now. We're not competing for championships. It is also important to know that 75% of trade exceptions never get used. That is a that is a hardcore stat and hardcore fact. Number three, we have seen already that having a lot of cap space does not equate to you landing the player that you ultimately want. Now, keep in mind, Boston is a different animal than the Charlotte Hornets. We all can agree with that. That still does not equate to them ultimately getting some superstar guy or some guy that's worth $27 million to put them over the top. It's not a guarantee. It's not a slam dunk, so to speak. But ultimately, eh, we shouldn't care. It's not us. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I get people don't want to help Boston out, but the truth is that NBA GMs actually do that. NFL GMs probably do as well because you don't want to burn any bridges. These yeah. To deal with these guys later, so you help Boston out now. Sometime in the future, there may there may be a point where you're like, okay, hey, you know, we got a trade on the table. I need this favor from you guys. That's because that's how it works out. So I'm not too mad at uh, helping Boston out. We did pick up two more second round picks. Mitch has shown to be pretty competent in the draft the last two seasons, and at worst, we gave up really an imaginary second round. Pick, a protected second round pick. Yeah, look, look. That's right, that, not even a real thing. They, they, they literally had to just put that there because you can't trade 
something for nothing. So, um, I, you know what I do think is funny? Go on Twitter, look up Nick Batum or the LA Clippers, and watch how many people are praising the Clippers signing Nick Batum. Man, look, let me, tell you, let me tell you something funny, man. Let me tell you something funny. Earlier today, I was on Twitter, and I saw somebody said, oh, man, Nick, Nick Batum's getting waived. The Lakers can really use a defender. I don't, uh, the what? A <laughs> uh, what? I'm sorry, a what? A look, defender where? I'm sorry? Look, this is how you know people do not pay attention to, to Charlotte basketball. Maybe importantly, he was a, 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 a competent defender. Here, he didn't play. He didn't play any defense. He got paid. And and that was it. You know, I got this. I got this icky feeling. He's gonna go to the Clippers and be like motivated. Six man of the year. Look, man, y'all y'all know we hate we hate lazy narratives on this show. But however, with that being said, you know we compare Nick Batum to a former French player that played in Charlotte, Boris Diaw. We looked at what Boris Diaw did the very second he left Charlotte and went to the San Antonio Spurs. Do you guys foresee that same situation <laughs> with Nick Batum? And the, what what chance do you give that? It's it's fifty fifty at this point. Either he's washed, or he just really didn't want to be here. And he just wanted his money. Yeah, yeah. Like this, I, I'm with you, man. I think it's a fifty fifty chance, man. Uh, it remains to be seen. I, I've always wondered about Nick Batum, and it, was there any kind of real like injury history, or was it, or was it just well, you know, him not caring. After that elbow injury. Yeah. Before that, he actually was playing fairly well. This, mm -hmm. this he injures the elbow. He misses a ton of games. And you guys remember his very first game back, scores like 40 points and guards LeBron James. Um, you know, we end up losing that game by like one point. So I think with – it's one of the teams always been in the game, and I always feel like for him it was effort. The, it, yeah. That, that was what was so maddening about Batum. The ability was there, and sometimes he'd show it off. He'd yeah. do something. He'd, like, dunk on, like, Anthony Davis. You'd be like, dude, what the – like, what the but like, why can't you do that all the time? Right. Yeah. What's going on? So, it, it could be the change of scenery is good for him. And, um, I don't know. We'll see. All right, guys. We are coming to the conclusion of this show. Um, I am going – first of all, I want to apologize for, you know, there were some people last week who's like, man, you didn't play my, you didn't play my voicemail last week, guys. I screwed it up. We ran out of time. I am so sorry. However, we have come to that point of the show where this is our new segment. This is our voicemail segment. And by the way, if anybody has a new catchy name that we should call this segment, we are taking suggestions for that. So here we go, guys. I'm going to try not to screw this up again, but let's uh, give it a shot. As I am screwing it up again, <laughs> I got a name boxing in the box. Hey, from all you guys and um, your voicemail thing, even though I think that this is a great idea, but change up the message. One, <laughs> this is what I like to say. Um, not that I didn't like Cam as our quarterback, I love Cam, but I do like seeing where Teddy Bridgewater is when he's injured. Um, with another quarterback plan, which is right beside him after he comes to the sideline, going on the um, the surface pro thing, looking over plays and giving them pointers on what to do. I think that that's a plus for the team and it'll help still, out. Still got Cam on his mind. I like Joe Brady's play calling, but still, he gets to play in late too often. And you can tell we end up using timeouts too early when we don't need them. But Saw that today. He called some good plays. You just got to get better consistency called getting the play in early. Yeah, we, we definitely saw that today. Now, that was actually a voicemail from last week. I kind of figured <laughs> we could use that this week, and we was right. So there's one down, and let's try another one. Hi, guys. It's Rich in the UK. You know I'm a regular listener to your program. Um, driving into London, but not driving anywhere at the moment. Um, yeah, I love the Gordon Hayward contract. All the people going nuts about it. Who else are we going to get? You know, save the money for next year. No one's coming to Charlotte. Maybe if Gordon does well for a couple of years, 
Um, it's three positions, a position we don't really have anybody. Miles Bridges ain't it at three. Um, Lamello and Hayward got the best, got probably the best rookie and the best free agent in the space of a week. I think it's a fantastic effort. It doesn't matter about the money. Finally seeing Nick Batum disappearing as well. Yeah, it costs a lot, but who else are we paying? Look at all the other people getting large amounts of money. I mean, Harold, we tried to get Montrez Harold, who looked like a farm in the, in the, in the, uh, in the bubble. You know, he wouldn't come. He wanted to go to LA and win things. So we've got a really, really good player. I mean, he was, I've just read he was averaging in the last month 19, 7 and 5 or something in Boston. We've got a good player. He's an all-star. You've got another all-star in Charlotte. He may not be as good as that now, but he's better than anything else. Anyway, guys, I love the show. Love listening to you guys. Um, I do phone in for another show in North Carolina as well. Um, called C3, if any of you know it. But, um, yeah, take care. Really like it. Our main man, Rich Kingston from the UK. Man, thank you, man. Thank you, thank you. I think we got time for one more. Let's go. Hi. First time caller, multiple time listener. You guys will not, and I repeat, you guys will not go at Max Kellerman like that. <laughs> I already already sent a message to Rodney, and now I'm saying to y'all, y'all can hear my voice. I'm not playing. I will drive down to Charlotte. I'm not playing. You will not disrespect Max. If you don't listen to him repeatedly and know what he's actually saying, don't talk about it. Or you can bring me on as the Max Kellerman expert. I love Max. Great show. You guys are awesome. Now that I'm back to North Carolina, I will start listening a lot more often. I will be in the chat. I'll be more active. Y'all got a new dude. His name is Matt, and he's going to take – I'm not taking over. I'm just, I'm just here to, you know, help. Bye. <laughs> All, All right, right, man. I'm actually a huge Max Kellerman fan as well. Due to uh, him being in the boxing industry, I've been watching Max ever since he used to commentate on Tuesday Night Fights on USA. Uh, so I'm a big fan of his. And he's a really good rapper, too. Yeah, yeah. He actually had, actually had a couple songs in the mid-90s. Yeah, yeah. his brother had a, a, a song called Young Rumble, Young Man Rumble. He used to play on MTV a lot. So I'm a big fan. But he was wrong last week. <laughs> yeah, he was wrong last week. Sorry. Hey, Matt, I, Matt, actually, <laughs> actually, we got one more to play. I forgot about this gentleman here. Well, this kind of long. We're not going to get to that one today. Guys, any parting shots today? Either shout-outs or shout-ats or both. I'm, I'm going to give a shout-out to uh, Anthony Hamilton and DaBaby. Uh, they continue to uh, provide for the community, man. Uh, doing amazing work within the community. Uh, giving people hope. Uh, it's, it's it's been a rough year, but 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 those guys are, are, are true gems to our community. Guys, what you got? Uh, I'm gonna give a shout out to uh, Romain Grosjean. He is a French F1 driver. He races for the Has F1 team, which is actually based in Charlotte, North Carolina. They're the only United States based F1 team, and uh, their headquarters is right outside of Kannapolis. But today at, at the Bahrain Grand Prix. He ran into a barrier and his car exploded. Ooh. And he survived the explosion. Go look up the video on YouTube. It is the most insane thing I've ever seen in F1 history. It, it I, I have no idea how he walked away. I mean, the car literally blows up, and then you see him hop out and start running because <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Go watch it. So shout out to him and whatever angel is watching him. Nate Robinson needed what his angel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey yo, 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 yo! Somebody, somebody said Nate Robinson when, when his feet was laying there. It looked like when when the uh, house landed on the Wicked Witch. Oh, hold on! <laughs> All right, man. I have a shout at. Um, it is my. It, it's starting to be a yearly shout at Bleacher Report. Um, I, I I don't know. I don't know who Michael Jordan offended in that in that or maybe maybe Michael just couldn't just wouldn't give an interview to Bleacher Report. Um, I don't know what you what these guys have against the Charlotte Hornets, but every single year they will find a way to try to discredit any little thing that the Charlotte Hornets do. Uh, they said Gordon Haywood was the worst free agent contract signing, even though everyone says he was the best free agent available. They gave they gave the Hornets an F grade, which whatever. 
Last year they said Terry Rozier was the worst free agent signing of, of last season. <laughs> we see how that worked out. Bleach Report, please, please look. Either stop hiring 21-year-old writers, get yourself some real writers, or just shut up. I'm sick of it. Just middle finger to Bleach Report. Um, I want to shout out everybody who continues to genuinely support under construction. Uh, the guys in the chat room, uh, Swagner, Chris, you, I'm, if I'm missing anybody, I'm sorry. You know who you are, man. Thanks to everybody who continues to like, share, and post under construction content. We need you guys just like you need us. So thank you for leaving voicemails. Until the next time, guys, we will see y'all and uh, love each other. Peace out, y'all.